Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Rure Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arquera. After another weekend of La Liga, it was good to be back after the international break. None of that nonsense like Scotland beating Spain, eh, Roman? Uh, how are you doing? How's things in Barcelona? Good. We're doing good. Uh, uh, we got past the international break, which, you know, sometimes isn't so enjoyable. I can't <laughs> say the same for you, of course, <laughs> but for us, I guess wasn't a great result but then again also we got rid uh, or sorry got past that first game after the international break also which tends to be always a tough one for clubs like Barca or Madrid who have lots of players abroad you know playing extra minutes so uh, happy for the result and an interesting match week as usual. Yes, I was sat downstairs in a dingy, dark Irish bar, enjoying it with about five, six other Scots. It was a very quiet bar otherwise, but uh, but yes, it was terrific entertainment. But a slightly happier Spanish capital today after Real Madrid beat Valladolid 6-0. They absolutely thumped them at the Bernabeu. There was a, a few kind of shaky moments early on, it has to be said. Roque Mesa hit the post and... And then Real Madrid just kind of took over. We saw Karim Benzema hat-trick and we saw Rodrigo got them kind of going in the early minutes. Asensio and Lucas Vazquez added goals towards the end as well. But for me, the big story here, Roman, has to be Karim Benzema looks back to his best, certainly in this game at least. Yeah, we saw a very good version of Benzema uh, in barely, I think it was six minutes, uh, he got uh, three goals, which of course... Uh, it's incredible getting a hat trick, you know. Uh, take into account he had been struggling lately in La Liga to, to get goals. There have been doubts regarding his form, uh, his age, etc., etc. Uh, I think this international break did him well. You know, he got time, some time probably to do his own thing, to kind of forget a bit about football and come back uh, strong again. And I mean, he's he's the striker Real Madrid needs, and it also kind of feels like uh, they're warming up not just for the Copa the game, but for the Champions League because that's where Real Madrid's fight is. Uh, this season aside from Copa and taking into account that La Liga is uh, almost a lost cause uh, it's it's good for them to, to get this win I mean I didn't expect them uh, to, to be so comfortable I thought it would be a closer uh, battle I thought Real Valladolid uh, would push harder taking into account the situation they're in a relegation zone we've seen some good versions of Valladolid this season of course they've had been lots of downs for them but they've had having good moments and I thought maybe they would uh, try and um, 
uh, maybe make a bigger effort to, to get a decent result or at least uh, put Madrid in, in a delicate situation. But in the end, it was just a very, very uh, comfortable win for Real Madrid. In the first half, they got the job done. They got the uh, four goals and then the second half, they just closed it down. So enjoyable for them. And of course, it gives them uh, that extra boost of confidence uh, for the Copa del Rey game on Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah, it certainly felt like as soon as that second goal went in, kind of the tools were uh, downed a little bit from Valladolid's point of view. I'm sure Pacheta wasn't too happy with that, but at the end of the day, it's Real Madrid away at the Bernabeu and having missed those chances that they did miss, it just felt as if they knew that their opportunity had kind of slipped away from them. Looking ahead to the Copa tie, as you mentioned, that is kind of the big tie. There's Ferlon Mendy's been ruled out for another sort of three, four weeks. Camavinga was at left back today. We saw a very attacking lineup, which included Marco Asensio in midfield. And while I kind of struggled to see him starting in midfield against Barcelona, it was a couple of his kind of uh, desmarques. It was his kind of losing his marker, getting free in midfield, connecting with Benzema that really opened up this game for them. Rodrigo started as well, got his goal. Valverde was rested after the international break. How do you see Real Madrid approaching this Barcelona match? Because we've seen. We saw in the second half of that Copa tie, uh, in the league tie, sorry, where Rodrigo came on and they played kind of three or four more attacking players and they looked like they were getting a little bit of joy against Barcelona. But with the kind of status quo 11, with Valverde on the right, Vinicius and Benzema up top and a more kind of conservative midfield, Real Madrid haven't quite generated enough danger. How do you see them approaching this, this Copa del Rey tie on Wednesday? It's a good question. Um, for me, in the, in the first leg, as a matter of fact, I actually thought that maybe uh, Ancelotti would be a bit more aggressive, would actually go uh, with Rodrigo in the start, you know, try and uh, make the most of, of their offensive uh, capabilities. But he didn't decide to, to do that. Uh, they did, of course, start winning that game. And, and, you know, they were close to winning in the end. It was quite tight, we could say, even though, for me, Barca were slightly better. And uh, now, of course, seeing how well this lineup has done, I don't know if Ancelotti will have further doubts on whether... He should still uh, trust players like Asensio Rodrigo, who had uh, really good performances today, or he should go back to the classics, of course, with Modric, with uh, Fede Valverde, etc. It's a big question. I honestly, I find it hard that he's going to um, keep Fede or Modric, for example, on the bench, because we all know how uh, crucial they are, how good they are. I mean, they're two of, of Madrid's best players, of course, and uh, honestly, I think he will uh, return to a similar lineup as we saw in the first leg. Of course, there might be surprises. You never know, uh, but I think he he will he will be um, depending more on the veterans and and, and the guys who have uh, been standing out more often throughout the season. And of course, he'll have on the bench players like Rodrigo or Asensio who who can change a game. Uh, maybe one of them might start. Maybe there might be a surprise there. We'll have to see. And then defensively, I mean, I don't think there'll be many changes either from this last game. Maybe of course. Uh, Carvajal could come back, but he has been in really poor form lately. Uh, we saw it not just for Madrid, but also for Spain, where against Scotland he did make a very big mistake and his, his coming in the second half really didn't uh, provide anything positive to, to Spain. And of course, uh, there's lots of questions surrounding him. So I'd, I, I'm not sure if uh, he'll trust him or, or give Lucas Vazquez you know, another shot, given he did score uh, a goal in the end. By the way, assisted by Hazard, which I completely forgot he was still at Real Madrid. He came out of nowhere, you know, and he gave an assist. I'm happy for him, I guess, because well, what what a tough times he's having there. But yeah, going back, I mean, we could see Lucas Vazquez starting, although Carvajal does provide that experience. And if Ancelotti still trusts him despite his irregular form, he might be a better option. But we'll have to wait and see. And, and what, we, what we can expect definitely is, is an entertaining uh, match. 
Yeah, lots of questions for Ancelotti, which given they kind of went into the season with a very settled side, was is kind of surprising. As you say, Carvajal lost the ball 15 times in 45 minutes against Scotland. And yeah, his form lately has not been great, to say the very least. I wonder if if we might even see Rudiger at right back or, or something along those lines, because Alaba's now back and fit and started today. But uh, coming on to, on to Barcelona, they got a 4-0 win against Elche. It was pretty comfortable. Sebastian Becasese's first game for, uh, for as Elche manager. I don't think we saw masses that we could uh, take from from his first match and say that there's been dramatic change. Barcelona, they kind of they rotated a fair bit in this match. They played a couple of their bigger players in Gabi and Lewandowski, um, but they were more or less comfortable, weren't they, Roman? Yeah, I mean the kind of game you you expect after international break, at least the first half. You know. Uh, Barca having maybe a few uh, more chances than Elche, but still it wasn't a game which uh, you could really say that Barca was going to win easily. Uh, of course, that, that changed in the second half. Uh, Barca did go with that one goal advantage after Lewandowski scored. That kind of, I think, uh, gave them a possibility to relax a bit more, to, to know that they were ahead, you know, that not have the pressure of having to, to score against a team like Elche, which of course is, is down right at the bottom and, and you know, you, you feel like you have to uh, win them uh, no matter what. And then in the second half, I think they were more relaxed. And once Ansu Fati got that goal, I think, which was very important for his self-confidence because uh, I myself thought we'd lost him completely and I still think... Uh, there's a long way for him to recover his best form, but it, that's, it's great to see him uh, scoring, especially the way he scored, you know, taking the ball from the halfway line all the way up uh, to the edge of the box and, and that getting that really good shot because during the game he was getting the ball, but then he was like doing his typical thing lately, bad passing, uh, like kicking the floor sometimes. You could tell it's, it's really something in the head, you know, a psychological thing that's, that's setting him back and not allowing him to develop all the potential he has and he has to get past that. So that goal definitely will be very helpful. And of course, Ferran Torres also got on the score sheet. Lewandowski got a double. Let's not forget Lewandowski hadn't scored uh, away from home. I think it was over two months or something like that. He was really struggling to get goals away from the Camp Nou. So, I mean, that's also positive for him. So, in the end, it was just a relatively comfortable win. Three points, which, you know, just keep that uh, gap uh, quite uh, open, uh, we could say, uh, in front of Real Madrid and uh, players getting goals, players that needed goals getting goals. So, in that sense, uh, it went really well for us. Yeah, and it was a pretty um, chaotic week in terms of the press. I mean, when is it not for Barcelona? But <laughs> particularly this week, Bori Fati, Ansu Fati's father, came out and said, basically went on a massive rant and said, I don't know why he's not playing, he's not playing enough. It's, um, we'll be talking about this with Jorge Mendes, his, his agent. And, and then you also had the Barcelona vice president, Hector uh, Rafa Juste, who came out on Friday and said, yes, we're in talks with Leo Messi. Of course, we would love him to return. It's very difficult and so on, so on. But, but Leo Messi certainly has a place. And, and Xavi was obviously regaled with many questions about this on, on Friday as well. Firstly, on Ansu, just do you think there is a way back for him? But also, do you think if you had to put sort of... Um, put him one foot in or one foot out would you say he's closer to maybe leaving the club in the summer or do you think he's more likely to stay at Barcelona ultimately and and they'll try and recover him as an inverted commas well I mean in terms of being in or out right now it's hard to say honestly if you ask me personally uh, I'd be willing to sell him of course I think he'd be one of the players uh, that 
should possibly leave this summer, take into account he still has a decent probably uh, transfer value, and, and we know that Barca has to sell this summer. They have to reduce wages. They have to do a lot of things. So, I mean, uh, he is a player that I think another club uh, with money would, would trust and would give him a shot, you know, and would maybe pay a decent sum of money. But, of course, the season's not over. He still has plenty of time, I think, to, to prove us all wrong. I hope he proves us all wrong because, I mean, we've had massive hopes with, with Ansu Fati. We've seen... Uh, what he can do, uh, such a talented player, so much quality. I think if he can get past, as I said, th this um, mental aspect that is, is, put, is keep keeping him back or maybe not allowing him to, to, to develop further or show his, his true quality, I think if he can get past that, he can be an important player for us. And uh, So, yeah, I mean, it's not great to have his father also jumping up and down, you know, speaking on the radio. He was also uh, talking just before I think you know the day before something like that he went to visit uh, Matteo Alemán to talk about uh, Ansu's future and apparently they said that they'd calmed him down but I think they hadn't really done a good job <laughs> at that because of course uh, shortly after that he goes and rants all about the topic uh, on uh, the radio Madrid radio of course and uh, the, the echo that goes through that radio isn't usually positive for Barcelona and uh, it's true that Ansu Fati after that apparently told Xavi and the club that he doesn't agree with what his father said. He wasn't happy with, with what he'd been explaining because he wants to succeed at Barca. He wants to say he's he's obviously not maybe as happy as he would want to be, but you know he still trusts he can he can turn things around. So we'll have to see uh, when the league uh, season finishes, sorry, and then what he can what he can provide in these next uh, months or weeks uh, because Ansu does have potential. I would love to keep him, but uh, we know that Barca has to sell. So in, in that situation, he might have to be one of the sacrificed players. Yeah, it's a tricky situation for Ansu because he can almost, if, if he does well and performs well, then you can say, right, okay, he's proving he has that potential. Perhaps he can come back and be that player. But also there's the other side of you thinking maybe his value is just increasing for Barcelona and he's becoming even more of a attractive sale and vice versa if he doesn't do well then it's more of a right okay Ansu perhaps is, is too much we if he is going to recover himself he needs to do so elsewhere uh, and equally so the argument to sell him becomes even greater as well so yeah mm -hmm. tricky for Ansu I won't press you on Leo Messi because I think we'd all love to see Messi back in La Liga whether it makes sense financially um, in terms of team building in terms of anything I have no idea but in terms of Pure sentiment, I think we'd all love to see him back. Um, and just very quickly, because we have done a lot of Barcelona-Madrid today. Barcelona are missing Pedri, Frankie de Jong, Ousmane Dembélé as we speak. Frankie de Jong seems like he might have a chance to make it back, but how would you line up if Frankie de Jong is absent for the Clasico in the Copa del Rey? Well, it's, it's really hard to say, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to... Trust Chabi on this one, I have to say, because uh, <laughs> last time we also had quite a few setbacks with, with players that weren't available. Uh, the good thing is this time we will have Rafinha because he was suspended in La Liga, but he should be fine to play in the Copa del Rey. So I don't know if, if Chabi is going to still want to go for that 4-3-3 as we saw against Elche, or he's going to go back to a 4-4-2 uh, with probably, probably Kessie in the midfield. Sergio Roberto, who I guess was, was pretty good against Elche, and he's been doing pretty well lately, and he did, of course, score in the first leg and against uh, Real Madrid and um, sorry in the in the league game against Real Madrid he scored and of course Gabi is gonna gonna be there 100% he's providing so much to the team and uh, aside from that we'll, we'll have to see what he does I mean for the 4-3-3 looked okay but uh, I kind of feel more protected with the 4-4-2 I have to say 
and uh, knowing how Real Madrid is so dangerous counter-attacking, maybe a uh, few more players in the midfield could could prove helpful. Indeed, and knowing also that Barcelona just needs uh, a draw in order to get through as well. Moving on, uh, Celta Vigo managed to get a 2-2 draw at home to Almeria. A bit of a shock there, a big point for Almeria away from home who have one of the worst away records in the division. Well, the worst away record. Um, but 2-2, they managed to get a point away in Galicia. Back down south, it was a big day on Saturday for Sevilla, who, under José Luis Mendilibar, newly appointed after San Paoli was sacked, got a first win. It was 2-0. Lovely, lovely assist from Brian Hill, it has to be said, for the second goal for, for in this series. But just in terms of mentality, I don't think this was vintage Sevilla, but big win for them, wasn't it, Roman? Yeah, it was definitely not vintage Sevilla, but it was uh, probably uh, Mendilibar Sevilla, we could say. Um, <laughs> I really think they've uh, picked the right manager for this kind of situation. We know that Mendilibar has been uh, in all sort of fights down at the bottom, and he's actually done really good jobs with smaller teams. We've seen with Eibar, with Osasuna, etc. You know, so I think uh, they made a wise choice this time because you could tell that with San Paoli, it just wasn't really working uh, when he came on uh, last year. Once the season had started, I mean, he was in the bottom positions and out of the relegation zone. And then now that uh, he, he's been there for I don't know how many months, they were still pretty much in the same situation, aside from, of course, uh, all the good they'd done in the Europa, Europa League. So it felt like that at any moment they could slip down again. So I think uh, it was wise to bring in Mendilibar. It was a derby, you know, Andalusian playing away against Cadiz. It was not an easy game at all. We know that Cadiz uh, haven't been... Uh, that bad either take into account of course that they're also fighting in the in the bottom positions uh, for their lives because they've drawn three and, and one uh, one in the last four so I mean in that sense guys were dangerous and at home they've probably been stronger but uh, in the end you know Sevilla did well they have the better squad we, we know that they have a lot of quality it's just a matter of finding a way to to, to getting that quality to provide to get the goals and in the second half they, did, they got the job done although as soon as Sevilla scored guys did press they did have uh, dangerous situation that really could have put Sevilla uh, in a very delicate spot but uh, they pushed through and as you said with that lovely second goal that you mentioned with Brian Gil just uh, bringing that ball down really one redirecting it for Menacity um, to just have to push it uh, past the goalkeeper that was a wonderful play and 2-0 for them and a really really important result and a very good start for Mendilibar. Yes it moves Sevilla a little bit away from the relegation zone they're on to 31 points Four points ahead of Almeria, who are on 27 in on goal difference uh, over Espanyol. Valencia play on Monday night. They have a, a really quite large game against Rayo Vallecano. And uh, if they can get a point in that game, then they, will, they themselves will move outside of the relegation zone. But we'll wrap up part one there because we do have plenty to get to. And we'll be back in just a moment, so don't go anywhere. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Sunday night, Sam Leverage was at the Civitas Metropolitan to witness Atletico Madrid's 1-0 victory over Real Betis, a victory that puts them very much in the, not in the race for the top four, very much in pole position to claim that third spot in La Liga. And as I say, Sam Leverage was at the Metropolitan to see that, to see a late Angel Correa winner, which saw the Metropolitan explode with excitement. So without further ado, I'll welcome in Sam on his way home from a very exciting night in the capital. Correa, se va Correa, no le pueden parar. Correa, qué golazo. Hey Rory. Yeah, I mean, what a win for Atletico Madrid. I mean, to do it in that fashion, the 87th minute with that goal, I mean, a superb goal from Angel Correa. I mean, it really was kind of a huge win and, and reflected the importance of it because, I mean, we can't forget that for Atletico, for a lot of this season, it was a question of looking over our shoulders, thinking about who could catch us from, from outside the top four and so on. Would we get top four? I mean, Betis, Real Sociedad, I mean, teams like that. We're up in the third and fourth positions for quite a while. And I think that's, it feels so long ago now. I mean, it was only just before Christmas we were talking about the future of Atletico without Diego Simeone, with Luis Enrique linked, with with all these kind of discussions about the future of Atletico without Diego Simeone. And it almost seemed a foregone conclusion that this would be his last season at Atletico. But since the World Cup, I mean, it's been such an incredible turnaround. I mean, defensively, the team looks like a completely different side. I mean, the changes that have been made at the back. I mean, Mario Hermoso has come in and he's been the best he's been basically since the season where Atletico won the league. He's been solid, he's been reliable, which was kind of the total opposite of what he was for the last year or so before that. So he's had a huge influence, but beyond him as well, I mean, Nahuel Molina, Rodrigo de Paul have come back from the World Cup completely different players, far more confident, far more involved and engaged with Atletico and with 
Cholisma with Diego Simeone's ideas. And I think that has been a huge factor. And Antoine Griezmann, who's been in superb form all season, when everything else around him is working a little bit better, with Koke looking a little bit more free, a little bit more fit than he was in the first few weeks of the season, the first few months even, everything just seems to be falling into place. And the atmosphere around the place is getting so much better. I mean, there was a supporting strike over the issues with the club crest and so on, but the the Gladanarithion suspended that and against Betis it was a fantastic atmosphere from start to finish and I mean there was a, a moment where there was a huge whistle and booing of Joaquin I mean very popular figure usually but over the last week or so he made some comments about Luis Aragonés how he should have behaved differently when he was Spain coach with him and Aleti fans defend Luis Aragonés to the death. So, I mean, he got whistled, booed, chance of Luis Aragonés as he came onto the field. And and there's just that unity around the place, which for so much of this season there hasn't been at Atletico. And I think it does kind of bring one thought to mind. And more than any other, it's what could have happened this season. I mean, if it hadn't have been for that disastrous Primera Vuelta, the, the disastrous first half of the season where where defensively everything was so bad, where in attack nothing seemed to click, where there seemed to be ruptures all through the squad. And, I mean, we can we can talk about where they came from, but I think it's quite clear the group of players that, that were moved on in January and since then it's been a show of faith in Diego Simeone. But, I mean, it's just what could have been because this Atletico Madrid team is the best team in 2023 in La Liga. I don't think there's much debate about that. But, I mean, the the catching up now with Real Madrid, with Barcelona, I mean, you think about games like the defeat to Cadiz or the draw against Espanyol or Rayo. I mean, I don't think this Atletico now would be dropping those points. And if that was the case, I mean, you know, I mean, looking at the league table, sure, there's quite a gap with Barcelona, but they're only five points behind Real Madrid. You get that confidence boost of being in the title race and maybe there's a few less dropped points and maybe Barcelona are under a bit more pressure. I like to think that that Atleti would be pushing Barcelona in these final few weeks of the season a little bit more than Real Madrid are right now. So, yeah, I feel like there's a real good feeling around Atletico Madrid right now. How long that will last might depend on the transfer window in the summer and and whether this kind of good form can continue into next season. But if it does, it definitely feels like Atleti are playing their best football since they won the league. So things are looking up. Many thanks to Sam Leverage for taking some time out of his journey home from Atleti and from the Metropolitano. On to sort of further down in the European race and for that race for fourth spot, Real Sociedad went down 2-0 to Villarreal at the Ceramica. It cuts the gap between the two to four points. Villarreal, again, we, we've spoken at ad nauseum about uh, just how sort of up and down they've been, Gerard Moreno's presence, but there's two players that I want to pick out for you and then I'll let you sort of have your thoughts on this. Ramon, Ramon Terraz is a midfielder I really like. He's on loan from Girona. He was not really getting a game at Girona um, before January, but he's really come into the side and I like what he's been doing. And Thamu Chukwete, who now has 23 goals and assists in the season and it was his dancing run through the Real defence, La Real defence, Subimendi brings him down and that's where Parejo gets the key penalty um, before Nico Jackson sealed the result with the 2-0. But yeah, your thoughts on this one, another defeat for La Real. 
Yeah, another defeat for La Real, who, you know, uh, I remember a few months back we were talking about the possibility of being league contenders and actually uh, doing something, but uh, they run out of gas, uh, basically, you know, and now they're just really, really struggling to to put together some good results. Um, they did win, of course, the previous game and had two draws before that, and it seemed like maybe they were recovering a bit, but uh, now in a, against a direct rival like Villarreal, they... They just uh, looked the inferior side, to be honest. I think Villarreal were definitely deserving of this win. They played much better. Um, it's a massive, massive win for them too, because of course now they are uh, really getting close to those uh, European positions, not just Europa League, but also uh, Ch Champions League, of course, because seeing how Real are in pretty poor form uh, and that Betis aren't maybe um, are going to struggle, we could say, having not having Fekir and obviously Sergio Canales being suspended for the next four games, that's, that could be a problem for them in the future. Then I think Villarreal really have, have good options if they can keep this up and not go through another of those slumps that we've seen uh, this season. And um, you were talking about Chukwueze before. For me, he's uh, really showing his best uh, since Kike Setien has come on because Chukwueze is, is a really electric player. And uh, as you said, in that first goal where he got passed through uh, defenders and, and got fouled in the box, uh, just shows how good he is, how technical he is. And I mean, having that uh, level, uh, I mean, that's a massive boost for, for um, Villarreal and Terraz, you know, coming in. I think he's just the profile that Kike Setien wants in a midfielder and that's why he's getting so many minutes you know a, a player capable of, of treating the ball really well and moving it uh, together with Dani Parejo etc I think uh, that gives them a, a better capability of doing what Kike likes which is to have the ball to move it around to uh, tire uh, opponents down and uh, in that sense uh, it's really uh, proved to be a great uh, signing for now and I mean Villarreal again going through another Good streak, you know, four wins, one draw in the last five, uh, getting good results, back in the fight for European positions, as I just said. So if they can keep this up, uh, they should be capable, of course, of ending uh, near the top. We thought they would be candidates at the beginning of the season, then we didn't think they would. Now we might be thinking again, we have to see if they can keep this up. But uh, this is the Real we expect. Yeah, and you, you say you think sort of, Four points is a is a reasonable enough gap at this stage of the season as well, but the form that Larry are in is just so dreadful that it's hard to see them really fighting off Betis and, and Villarreal at this stage. And if Gerard Moreno can come back in, if he can be fit for a prolonged period of time, it, it looks as if Villarreal with Betis would be the favourites to, to overhaul Larreal, who they've just two wins since the 21st of January. I went to see them against Rayo Vallecano and they were fantastic. 2-0 um, victory but since then it's seven mm -hmm. goals just two wins and I've, I've listened to Imanola Aguathil quite a lot and he's he's tried to be kind of soft with his players he's tried to be kind of kind to them he said right okay ambitious we need to really go and fight for this fourth place now he's he's been angry he said after the Roma defeat in the in the Europa League we've proven again that these games are too big for us He's tried all of these different methods, but it looks as if he, he just doesn't have an answer to this Lariel side, which once again is collapsing in the second half of the season. And if, there, if there's one thing they can do in the, in the off-season, in the sort of summer, it has to be addressing a way to, to sort of uh, stretch out their kind of form across a full season. But moving on, we, we touched on the Copa del Rey tie quite a bit in the first half of the show between Real Madrid and Barcelona. But of course... Before that, we have Athletic against Osasuna. Athletic, Hatafe, 0-0 again. Kind of not a lot to say about that match because 
it was the same old and there, there wasn't sort of beyond Athletic being unable to convert their chances, Hitafi kind of being solid away from home without impressing. Mallorca, 0-0 draw at home to Osasuna as well. This was another game that, again, Mallorca were kind of solid enough without doing too much to win the game. Osasuna, they, they were fine without being fantastic as well. Coming into this tie, firstly, kind of who do you make favourites for this match? And I, I want to get your views on Athletic as well, because the one thing they know that they have to do in the second leg, being 1-0 down from the first, is score. And that is the one thing that they struggle most with, isn't it? Yeah, uh, exactly. For me, right now, Osasuna are the favourites, basically, because uh, they, they got that goal in the first leg. And I think that's a very big advantage in a game like this and two teams which maybe aren't known for their offensive capabilities even though it's true that Athletic Club did surprise us at the beginning of the season when they started like scoring tons of goals they were winning really comfortably it seemed like Valverde had really uh, come back and really mastered the, the squad and, and, know, and had found the, the right solution you know to, to making them um, get goals and, and, and do a lot in attack but then uh, they did go through that slump and now you know they have a win and a draw in the last two games and it feels like um, they could be doing more and that they're struggling a bit uh, of course in a Copa del Rey game at home with the fans I think is a completely different atmosphere and, and they will have uh, that 12th player we could say supporting them uh, right through the game and it won't be easy but Osasuna is a strong away side you know they know how to defend they know how to close down those spaces and then they have uh, players uh, that can counter nicely like uh, Abde himself uh, I don't know exactly about the status of Chimi Abila if he's going to be playing this one because uh, he was of course injured so I'm not sure but uh, aside from that of course that would be a setback but I think Osasuna still have enough weapons you know to to do some damage and as you said Athletic Club have to come out they have to uh, push and, and attack and, and try and get a goal so um, at some moment they're going to leave spaces behind Osasuna can be a threat and they could get the second and really uh, end the tie there so we'll have to see uh, how this plays out but at the moment for me Osasuna are definitely the favourites yeah, 99% discarded is what uh, the kind of Nevada newspapers are saying about Jimmy Avila. But if there if there is a 1% chance and Jimmy Avila can force it, I'm <laughs> willing to bet that he probably will. Um, but yeah, it will be big for him. How much do you, of a role do you think that kind of 12th man will play? Because Osasuna, as we know, they're looking for their first Copa del Rey final appearance in, what, 17 years, 18 years since, uh, since they lost in the finals to Betis. Athletic Club... As much as they've not won the competition in recent years, they are kind of perennial finalists. They, they always seem to be there, if not winning it. Do you think that experience is going to have a big role to play? Or do you think these are two teams that face each other often enough in La Liga, they'll be used to each other? Well, it's it's hard because in these knockout stages, uh, there's always a bit more magic involved. We could say, you know, it's not uh, the usual league game where you kind of expect a draw or expect a few goals. I think here it could pan out differently. Uh, at the same time, I don't think the teams or the, the squads are going to change a lot the way they play anyway, you know. So in that sense, I think Osasuna is still going to be a tightly knit squad at the back or, or team at the back defensively. Uh, we know that uh, Athletic Club does have the pace in those wings with with uh, William Brothers, etc. So they're going to obviously try and exploit that as much as they can and do as much damage. And I do think that Athletic Club are going to press. Uh, we know that they're... Um, 
when they have the motivation and the fans behind them, I've seen it like in games against Barcelona, for example, uh, at San Mames, where they're pushing constantly, they're pressing, it seems like they never run out of fuel, and they have that extra energy, so I mean, they're definitely going to probably have that in this match, uh, they're definitely going to be uh, wanting to be in another Copa del Rey final, but at the same time, as you said, Osasuna hasn't been there for ages, it would be such a massive thing for them, uh, they're a team that uh, for many should probably be even fighting in the bottom positions even though they've proved to be really solid uh, these last seasons and, and they're really uh, earning the credit they, they've, they've managed to get now uh, so it's going to be massive for them too so in that sense uh, I do still think that Osasuna are favorites because not just the goal but because of, of the opportunity they're, they're going to face whereas, whereas you said Athletic have the previous experience they've been there uh, quite a few times and uh, they're going to definitely have the ambition but they've been there before you know and they're also um fighting in 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 la liga we could say uh, for those um, European positions, you know, they're a bit far off because now Villarreal with that win and them drawing uh, has opened the gap a bit, but it's not completely discarded. So uh, for me, Osasuna might have a little bit more hunger uh, in this game. And finally, just coming on to Girona's defeat of Espanyol, it finished 2-1. Girona were ahead for a brilliant Arnal Martinez strike uh, right into the top corner. And then we had Espanyol equalise through Brathwaite, but shortly after we see a red card for Sergio Gomez, and then finally Stuani converts a penalty in the dying minutes. It's four straight defeats for Espanyol, in which they have conceded 10 goals. Diego Martinez, a lot of the reporting coming out of, of Barcelona, where you are, is that he might be sacked, or certainly he's on the verge of it. Regardless of whether he does kind of get the sack or not, we know that this has been disappointing from him. Where has, has he gone wrong? Because he, he does have a side that scores goals. He's got goal scorers. How is it that they're so shaky defensively and that they struggle so much to, to put these results away? I mean, it's, it's a good question. I have to say I've been one of those uh, who have really defended Diego Martinez and I've said, you know, give him time, trust him. Uh, we've seen what he can do in Granada in similar circumstances and, and this is probably a more ambitious project than that was. And uh, I mean, I'm sure these, the results are going to come, but uh, it hasn't really happened, you know, and I can understand now why uh, there are so many question marks regarding his continuity. They're saying that uh, Luis Garcia, ex-Espanol player, could be uh, the substitute and, and take uh, Diego's place and yeah the way they've played you know hasn't really been up to standard uh, I can't really say what's really happened I've been reading uh, th that uh, they've been saying that uh, Diego has, hasn't really connected with his players they haven't really uh, believed a bit uh, the arguments he's been giving them to, to why they're there to what they have to do uh, to win etc they're not really on board completely with Diego and I think that can be a big problem because in the end if your players don't really trust you it's really hard to, uh, to to deal with anything and make it work so unfortunately for them they haven't had the results uh, despite having a player like Jose Lu who's, who's had a ton of good performances score plenty of goals even Martin Brathwaite you know he stepped up and and been a really important for them uh, this season but as you said defensively he really hasn't found the right shape he hasn't really found uh, the right man he's been switching a lot of players around trying different things and nothing has, has completely worked and of course uh, this uh, last game was was uh, of course Diego Martinez fault but the players too I mean Sergio Gomez uh, 
can't do that, you know, 80th minute, he really threw the game away for the team, uh, they had the draw at least, it seemed like they might at least grab that point, but uh, wasted it for them, so I mean, that was a massive blow uh, for Espanyol, for Diego, and uh, we'll have to see what uh, the club finally decides, it's a pity, because I honestly, as I said, I thought it could be a nice story between Espanyol and, and Diego, but uh, it seems like it's uh, not going to be. Yeah, Diego Martinez, I think it's going to make a very sort of a good value pickup for whoever gets him next if if he does leave Espanyol. Um, I personally would quite like to see Sevilla and Monchi take a shot on him, seeing as he has Sevilla links. But uh, that that's a pod for another day. Uh, as you say, yeah, I, I do agree with Espanyol. I think as much as es Espanyol have good players and they've shown good kind of bits of play in this season, they do just boneheaded mistakes like that Sergio Gomez rash challenge every time it seems like they're making progress somebody does something indisciplined somebody makes that mistake whether it be goalkeepers defenders forwards missing chances there is just something loose about this Espanyol team and if you compare it to the Granada side where he was so successful one of the things about that side was they were so canny they did things they did they were smart they were good they went about their game in the right way um, and as you were saying mm -hmm. The one thing about a manager as well, beyond tactics, beyond kind of mentality, beyond philosophy, if you cannot convince your players that you are kind of the, the oracle in a sense, that you're the one to kind of trust and to follow, then you're, you're very much lost and, and you're struggling. But on that rather somber note, we will wrap up the podcast. <laughs> Do you have a, a moment of the week, something from this week that did cheer you, that did make you smile, Roman, before we wrap up? Yeah, my moment of the week uh, has to be for Ansu Fati. I mean, as a Barca, from a Barca perspective, seeing how he's really been suffering so much, yeah, he's really been in need of a goal. Uh, he scored a lovely one uh, the other day against Elche, and uh, for me, that uh, has to be my moment. Very good, very good. We will wrap up on that then. Uh, a bit of relief after a tough week for Ansu Fati, but thank you very much for your presence, Roman. Thanks for having me. And adeo. Su avanza Ansu, avanza Ansu, entra en área Ansu, le pega Ansu, llegó el gol de Ansu. Gol, 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.